can I say I'm very impressed. Uh, I've come down to share about the Suffering Church, and I've, uh, I've learned about the Suffering Church here this morning. So I'm very impressed by your, your commitment. And I want to thank you uh, this morning for that encouragement that you as a church are, are thinking and praying for the Suffering Church. I think the Suffering Church can be summed up with the words of... of uh, a Sudanese pastor, and he said, he says, sometimes, he says, we forget all our needs, and we just ask people to pray for us. And you know, that's a man who has many needs. And we've been speaking this morning about being thankful for all the things that we have, and we have plenty. We have more than we need enough in this country. But this is a man who said, we can, I can forget all of my needs and simply ask people to pray for me. Because he knows that when he gets beyond himself, he can turn to a God who can meet that needs. So uh, I'm encouraged, and I would encourage you to keep going uh, as you think and consider uh, the suffering church. Uh, I'm glad that you're having a, a prayer meeting. I would encourage you to, to get involved in that. Uh, I was explaining to Peter this morning that there is a, there's many resources that Open Doors can give you to help. And there is a, a prayer tape that comes out uh, bi-monthly uh, and gives uh, testimonies and information uh, regarding the suffering church. So you're kept up to date uh, with what's going on. And it is, it's very challenging to hear people who are actually going, who have been through horrendous situations, uh, testifying and sharing, and it does create that they, they are desperate for our prayers. So one thing they do is covet our prayers. Uh, I was up in uh, Elgin last week, and, and the preacher uh, spoke about a situation he he. he was in conversation with a gentleman, and uh, he was uh, speaking about the situation in Scotland. And he said, uh, we're very fortunate. He says, we have everything we need in Scotland. He says, it's a kind of a utopia. I think it must have been an SMP supporter that uh, was saying these things. But he says, and of course the man shared, he says, well, hardly utopia. But he was obviously very impressed with uh, Scotland. But it, it did make me think. And uh, when he mentioned that, and uh, I wonder sometimes if we are living in a bubble. Uh, yes, we have many things that we can be thankful for, and we, we do thank God for these things. But I sometimes wonder if we are in a bubble with a sea of persecution uh, surrounding us. Because we hear of country after country who is going through terrible things for their faith. Uh, so I think we are very fortunate. But the tide is coming in. And we have to be aware that we can't take these things for granted forever. And although we are thankful for them at this present time, there may come a day when we find ourselves in this position where these freedoms that we enjoy and take for granted might be taken away from us. 
Uh, so we should always bear in mind, we can learn from our suffering brothers and sisters. Uh, and we do learn from them. It's, 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 it's very challenging to hear their stories. And we've heard some this morning um, about uh, people who have gone through horrendous circumstances. Just think of what it's like to be put into a shipping container uh, with the heat and, and there's no respite from the heat. Uh, a shipping container is a, <laughs> it's not a nice place to be at the best of times, but to be put in the heat uh, for your faith. And I think what we have to bear in mind as well, it's very easy for, for them to, to get away from that circumstances, just deny their faith. And they walk away. So they're, they have that opportunity to do, and yet they stay committed to their Lord and their Savior. I, I just want to mention, I was glad when you had your children's talk, it mentioned the, the, the 50 countries, the top 50, that Open Doors is, is working in, and it's uh, where persecution is, is, is most felt. But this morning, in, in the news sometimes we hear of situations, and then the news moves on. And, and we forget, but there's, I just want to pick out four countries this morning uh, where Christians are suffering, and it's not always on the news. Uh, we've got the, uh, sorry, I've got, I'm forgetting my slides. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've got to mention the four countries this morning, and the first one is Nigeria. Uh, there's tens of thousands uh, of Christians leaving the states. That's the northern states in Nigeria where Sharia law is in place. So when you live under Sharia law, um, persecution becomes a reality because they, they won't uh, tolerate other faiths. There's no toleration of other faiths. So in the north of Nigeria, People are moving to the south. They're on the move. Open Doors sh shared a report to with the members of parliament which stated there's never been a time uh, that there has been more Christians on the move today than ever before. People are having to move to get away from the, the persecution. 27 million Christians are, are counted as second class in Nigeria. And 2.1 million are displaced. They have had to leave their homes and, and travel to get some uh, security and some peace uh, from what's happening to them. So it's just, uh, these are big numbers of people that are having to move uh, because of their faith. In Eritrea, we heard a lady in Eritrea, tens of thousands continue to uh, leave Eritrea. Uh, I'm sure you've heard in the news that the Eritrea crops up again and again when, the, when they're speaking about the refugees coming over uh, in the boats. And many of them are Christians that are fleeing persecution from Eritrea. Uh, they're crossing, they're, they're going through significant uh, trauma, crossing, getting involved with the, the trafficking gangs, uh, hoping to reach Europe where they see that they'll get uh, freedom. They, they, they do tend to see Europe as uh, a place that's free from persecution. 
And a significant number of those are leaving are Christians because the government's uh, treatment of the, of the Christians there. Pakistan, another place, was on the news just lately as the bomb went off. Uh, it doesn't bear thinking about A bomb went off in a children's playground, playground and uh, specifically targeting the Christians in that country. Uh, it was kind of ironic, but I heard a report that says that it was actually more Muslims killed uh, in, that, in that bomb attack because it was targeted Christians, but it, it, it hit the Muslims. It was gathering in the park with their families, a day out with their families, and these things, these dreadful things are happening. That's in Pakistan. It's, it's thought likely that 10,000 at least have left Pakistan and are, and are in Thailand, Thailand um, because of the persecution. Colombia is second only to Syria, and in Syria we're going to be focusing on this morning, but in Colombia, uh, six million are internally displaced in Colombia. Many of those who are Christians and will be forced out due to their opposition to the armed groups that are, are uh, 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 doing terrible things in Colombia. So just to give you a wee picture, um, that across the world, uh, people are on the move. Iraq, 120,000 Christians fled north from cities in Iraq, uh, fleeing from IS. So you can see, uh, what I, when I say we are living in a bubble, there is a lot of persecution uh, at various places, and uh, it's, it's growing year by year. Uh, it was mentioned in the children's talk, the 50 countries that the open doors highlight as, as the worst for persecution. Um, they are countries that are moving up all the time. They're moving up uh, that list. Um, and more are being added to that list every year. Um, so it is a dreadful situation. But we're going to look at Syria today. Uh, Syria has been on your news uh, again and again over the last five years. There's now been a war going in, in Syria. And it's, as we know, it's a very complicated situation. Uh, and thankfully there is peace talks, and we are thankful uh, that there is peace talks that are um, underway at the moment, and we do pray that they would be successful to give respite to those who have been suffering. Five years they've been suffering uh, the circumstances of war. And this is just some of the, 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 the figures that the... Uh, this appeared in the New York Times in September, this is 19, 2015. The, the figure is now, they reckon, up to 250,000 uh, that's been killed in that conflict. And as you can see, uh, how indiscriminate this, this conflict is, um, dying at the hands of their own government. Uh, medical workers, uh, the, the school, the, the hospitals are, are not a place where it's, it's being um, seen as, as helping, but they're, they're bombing the hospitals as well. 
And I, I read a report, and it, it's why, why would people do this? And the reason is that they say if they bomb the hospitals, then the points of where people can get help is no longer there. So it's, it's, it's all aimed at, at getting people to move away from the area because there's no assistance in that areas. So just some of the figures. Estimated 200,000 to more than estimates 200 to 600,000 are under siege in Syria, and more than 4 million have left the country. And of course, that uh, means that they become refugees. When you when you leave the country, it's not an easy, easy option. It means that. And often you leave with nothing, uh, so you have got no home, uh, no food. Uh, so you can see uh, the need is is vast when that kind of numbers uh, move on. And this is what it's like living in Syria. Uh, every day decisions whether to visit a neighbour, to go out to buy bread, have potentially become. Uh, uh, decisions about life, life and death. That's that's the situation that that people are living under in Syria. But the church is in Syria. This is this is another set of uh, statistics about the 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 situation and the the Christians that's in Syria. Before the start of the war, I reckon there was 1.9 million Christians in Syria. Estimated that six to 900,000 still remain in the country. And, and we're going to be thinking of later in the service about Aleppo. Aleppo, there was 400,000. It was one of the main uh, countries, one of the main cities in, in Syria that had, uh, where the Christian population had gathered. And there was say, 400,000 Christians in Aleppo, and that's down to less than 60,000. And many have left and gone to Lebanon, um, again as refugees. But the church is there in Syria. For 2,000 years there's been a church in Syria. And uh, it has survived since the early days of Christianity. There's been a a church in Syria, but now its survival is under threat from conflict, uh, conflict violence, and persecution. Uh, the church is becoming the target. Um, but the good news is the church is reaching out. Even in that situation, the church is reaching out. And uh, they're reaching out to the refugees. And it's not only the Christians that they're reaching out to, it's Muslim families as well. And they're showing the love of Christ in a very practical way by sharing the aid that has been given to the churches in Syria uh, with their neighbours. And the result is that they're seeing many Islamic people, many Muslims, as turning to Christ and committing their lives to Christ home after home, they're finding that people are turning from the Muslim faith and seeking, because they see the, the, the church in action, becoming a light in the nation, sharing what they have with their neighbours, uh, this, is, this is having a, a, an effect. So the churches are full. 
which is quite amazing because considering the, the numbers of the people that have left, the churches are still full and many are Muslim background believers. The church is still full. So we give thanks even in that uh, dreadful situation that many are finding the gospel and committing their lives to Christ. It used to be that when the when the imams used to preach, he used to say, don't accept anything from Christians. They're, they're out to poison you. So don't accept any food or anything from Christians. But the reality is they now see that the Christians care for them and share what they have with them. So many are turning to Christ. Uh, open doors is, is uh, given, making sure that food and medicines are being made available. But So where do we come in this? Uh, we have a role to play. We, we definitely, uh, as been mentioned many times today already, that the, one of the most important things we can do for the church in that situation is to pray. And that is where we come in, to pray and to care for the families uh, who have nothing, to reach out with food and medicine and to speak out for them as well, uh, for our governments. But uh, just to let you know about a church in Aleppo, uh, in a sense, a, a modern-day miracle, a modern-day miracle of Jesus' Uh, feeding of the 5,000. What happened was, those three young people and a priest saw the need in the city of Aleppo and all that was going on. So they decided to do something about it. So they made an assessment of the needs of the people in that area and then they said at night they went out into the church and prayed, putting all the assessments of the needs under the cross and gave them over to the care of the Lord Jesus. We asked him to repeat what he had done when he multiplied the bread and the fish. We put our trust in him and his commandments and went ahead. Now thanks to the generosity of Christians around the world in UK and Ireland, this church is now feeding 1,600 families. They started with five pounds, and they had what they had was very little. But because they prayed, it's the same God, the same Savior, as fed the 5,000, sees the needs of the people in Syria, and responded. So that five pounds becomes 1,600 families. It is now being cared for by that one church. And you'll see the, the video that we'll look at in a wee while. You'll see that church surrounded, uh, shining like a light in the nation, supplying the needs of the people. Uh, the Open Doors is now supporting, or is now uh, uh, helping to support 10,000 families in Syria. That's a... Uh, uh, 10,000 in Syria and 15,000 in Iraq, because as you know, the, the Iraq has suffered as well. That's an estimated 75,000 people, because it's families. But 
Our God is the same God as fed the 5,000. And he's doing the same today. Through, through those who have come in with their loaves and their fishes, the little that they have, they're coming with. And the, and the people are being, the needs are being met. It takes 70 pounds to provide a family. 70 pounds provides a family for a month. Now, 70 pounds may seem a lot, but when you think about it, it's 70 pounds for a whole month for a family. Uh, that's uh, make sure that a family gets their needs met. And it's not only the fact that they're getting a... Um, uh, the food. It also lets them know that they are cared for. It also lets them know that they are not forgotten. That this this food aid uh, lets them know that someone cares. Someone knows about their situation and is willing to help and respond. And that, as I say, brings the uh, help for a whole month. So Again, we're coming back. The church in Syria is on its knees. It really needs our help. And they're asking us to join us. They're asking us to join them. And how can we do that? Well, the first thing I mentioned was prayer. And prayer is always the most important thing that we can do for those who are suffering. Time and time again, they, they don't ask. They are not asking for aid. We are given aid. Because we see the need. But that's not what the church asks for. The church asks for prayer. They realize that the situation they're in has got no answers. Aid things is essential. But they really are crying out to a God who only God can help them in their situation. Only God can bring about the peace. We pray for peace. And we give thanks for the peacemakers. But God is the one who's in control. So they recognize that they need to cry out to God. You see, when we pray, if you remember the, the, the little parable, well, it was a little story that Jesus told about, uh, remember the, the fig tree? He cursed the fig tree. And when the disciples came back the next day, they saw that the fig tree had withered. And of course the disciples were amazed at this. They, they were, this is incredible. Look, the, the, the fig tree is just withered. And Jesus turned around and he says, If you have faith, you can ask this mountain. You can tell this mountain to pick itself up and throw it in the sea. Now what Jesus is referring to there, and it's clear in verse 22, it's Matthew 21, that little story is told. But in verse 22 it says, Whatever you ask for in prayer... If you believe, you will receive. You see, prayer is not, it's, it's about us asking the one who's able to move mountains. And if there's, any, if there's anything surrounding us now, it's mountains. It, it really is. It's situations that we find is, is, is difficult to even consider. The amount of people involved, the amount of atrocities being carried out. It's hard to get our heads around, but God can move mountains, and he can do things that uh, if we go to him, see, the prayer is not about us, 
It's about asking the one who is able to change situations. So we can pray. And of course we give. Uh, the same God that multiplied the loaves and fishes takes our commitment, our resources, and multiplies them. And that's what's happening in Syria at the present time and around the world. Our little can be made into God's uh, uh, sufficient provision. And the third thing we can do is we can't speak out uh, to our governments, to our MPs. We can highlight the needs of the, the suffering church. Open Doors had a, a hundred MPs at their gathering. Uh, they were much encouraged. A hundred MPs gathered to listen to the reports that were given uh, to, about the suffering church and uh, they were left to think about these things and when they are able they can change the situation. So that's three things we can do uh, as regards the suffering church. So I would encourage you as you are, as you are now doing I would encourage you to keep praying uh, and give and support for those in the suffering church. Open Doors has got plenty of resources that uh, you can use. They, they mentioned the, the worldwide, the world uh, watch list is available. It'll be on the table if you would like. There's the email alerts which is coming in uh, on, a, on more or less on a, uh, a weekly basis and highlighting different circumstances that we can pray about. Uh, as, as they are coming in. We could set up a prayer group as you have done and as I say I'm, I'm encouraged that you've done this. I encourage you to keep going and, and pray for the needs of the church and also you can become a partner church. This is something that Open Doors is wanting to encourage. Uh, regular uh, information will be sent out from uh, uh, Open Doors to, to help you in your prayers um, to yeah, and, and they will give you information, you give some commitments. See, there's brochures about the, uh, will be lying on the table. So, I just want to finish. Uh, uh, you know, we spoke a lot about the numbers and different countries, and it's just a lot of information, but behind that information is individuals. And this little girl here, this is, I don't know if you remember, Schindler's List was a, a film that was made regarding the, the situation that the Jews faced in the concentration camp. And the, when they the, the made the film, the, the, it was made in black and white. And there was the one little girl that was in red. She was the only girl that was in colour. An idea, of course, was to highlight that within all these numbers, with all these things that was happening, it was individuals. It was suffering. And, uh, and I just want to tell you a wee story about uh, a little girl called Christine. Uh, Christine is, uh, was, in, uh, is in a, was in Iraq with her family. And... Uh, they lived in a, uh, a city uh, called Quarkosh. I think I've maybe pronounced that right. Uh, and of course it was overrun by IS. And Christine and her, and her mum 
This is our mum and our sister and our brother. Uh, they were part of the Christian community. So when IS uh, or Daesh, whatever they call them now, is, is uh, overrun the city, the Christians were asked to leave. And it was that uh, they, they, they got a choice. Well, there was no choice really. It was uh, uh, must be killed in some cases or, or leave. So the, the, there was buses ordered and the, the Christians was put on the buses. Uh, to be uh, taken away and uh, where they ended up was in Erbil which is in the north of Iraq but just as the bus was leaving the, the, the IS decided to do a medical check they called it a medical check and uh, what it was in reality was just an opportunity to rob the Christians of any possessions that they were taken out of the country but just as the bus was leaving uh, one of the IS soldiers uh, come up into the bus and took Christine and just took her off the bus. Um, the mother went, obviously, to follow the soldier and pleaded for her daughter to be returned to her. Her daughter never was returned. Um, that was the last, last that uh, Ada saw of her daughter Christine. That was a year ago and she's still, they have no idea where she's at. They don't know if she's still alive. That's a terrible story but the reason I tell it is that there's more than just Christine. This was something that they were doing to the Christians. They were taking the children uh, and we could all well imagine what these children were taken for. But the this is, now, this is the next photograph here is, is uh, Lisa, who's the um, COE of Open Doors, and, and that's Open Doors in action. What can you see in situations like that? But they visited Ada and the family, and they just spent time uh, with the family. Uh, what what can words what words can uh, alleviate the pain that that family is going through, not knowing what's happening to their to the, their daughter? She was four years old when she was taken, uh, and as I say, these are heart-rendering stories. But we can we can pray for that family. We can remember that family and the trials that they're going through, and many like them. So that's why it's so important that we pray uh, for the situations that we hear about. Uh, I would just like us now if we could maybe show that, uh, the short video, and then we'll have, I'm going to share a, a, an email that just come in this week about Aleppo. So if we could just uh, show the, the video now, that's fine. Thank you very much. This is Iraq. This is Syria. A landscape of devastation. 
where Islamic State extremists are trying to destroy the historic church, where following Jesus makes you a target. This is Munira, a follower of Jesus. She had to flee when Islamic State militants occupied the village she called home. Islamic State soldiers killed one of her neighbors who refused to convert to their view of Islam. Munira escaped death, but lost everything she owned. Her past has been taken from her. Her future is unknown. This is Iraq and Syria. And who will shine a light for these people as the darkness closes in? This is a light. This is a church. A church which is home to hundreds of families who fled Islamic State. This is Douglas. No one likes to call this camp. Actually, we call this as a home to the people here and they are welcome. And actually, it is honor to serve them and to help them. Became one family. And when you feel that you are among the others, already you start, you are belong to that place, and you are not just belong as a member, but as a member. When the storm broke and Islamic State forces invaded, Christians from Mosul came here with nothing. Within 12 hours, Open Doors was able to bring help. And since then, the grounds of Douglas's church have become a haven, a sanctuary. Thanks to Open Doors supporters, people have shelter and food. Trained counselors help the children to overcome the trauma and the nightmares, to learn how to be children again. There's food for the body, there's food for the soul. There are stoves and blankets to help them face the bitter cold of winter. There is hope and love. You know, people, uh, when you show them or give them not just love, but dignity, believe me, the result is 10 times you know, more than you offer to them. These are just some of the 19,000 families in Syria and Iraq who are depending on open doors for their survival. Douglas and his church have not given up on them, and neither have we. I put it in three words. Pray for us, help us, save us. Without prayer, we cannot make it. Help us because love is mean action. Without action, it is not love. Save us, please. In Iraq and Syria, the church is a light in the darkness. We cannot stand by and watch that light be extinguished. They are our family. And this is the hour of their greatest need. Jesus had said, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And you can see that that's a church shining like a light in the darkness. The darkness that surrounds them. But that light 
that church is literally shining uh, with, the, with the deeds and words that's bringing comfort to those around us. And you've got to ask yourself a question. Why, why is it that people are giving up so much for their Christian faith? It would be so easy for them in that circumstances just to walk away, to turn their back on the one who has given them life and no persecution. So if you are here today and you're not a Christian, consider what makes these people commit themselves to the point of death to a faith that means so much to them. It causes us food for thought. Um, and I pray that you would find this Jesus who has become their Lord, their Savior, their Master, their all. I pray that there's anyone here today that doesn't know that Savior, that they would make that commitment this morning to follow one who gave up everything so that we might have everything. Now, what we're going to do now, I'm going to read, a, there's an email that's just come out this week. Uh, the, I mentioned the, the alert that comes out, and this is an urgent prayer request that came from Aleppo this week, and you've heard of Aleppo in the news, with the bombing of the hospital in particular, and this is from the Christians in Aleppo. And I'll just read out the email. It says, Christians in Aleppo are uniting this Sunday, the 8th of May, to pray and fast for the city. They are calling on Christians and churches from around the world to join them in this international day of prayer and fasting. Over the last week, the Syrian city of Aleppo has seen a rise in bloodshed as government and rebel forces have bombarded the beleaguered city. More than 200 civilians are thought to have died in the recent surge of violence, and hospitals and university buildings and Christian districts have all been bombed. On Tuesday, one Christian said, Today the hospital where my wife gave birth to our daughter was hit. The total amount of people killed in the hospital was 17. These are the numbers from the hospital only. One of the martyrs was a one-minute-old baby. The truth is, Jesus has risen, declared one lady. So now we are asking you to join us in International Prayer and Fasting Day, a day for Aleppo. We are refusing to see the death anymore in Syria. Aleppo especially, and we are declaring the resurrection of the Christ on our beloved country. I think it would be good for us, we have an opportunity here to join with the people of Aleppo today to pray for their city, so we can join with them as a church and join with them. So I, I was just like, I spoke to Peter regarding this, and he, he thought it would be a good idea if we just spent the next uh, while, uh, I'll, I'll, let that, I'll leave it for an open time of prayer, and then I'll close. Uh, we've got some prayer requests here. 
that we can uh, use uh, during the prayer time. So if you would like just to take this few moments to connect in a sense with the Christians in Aleppo. And uh, after a wee while I'll maybe just close and uh, we'll have our benediction.